Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. All right, before we get started this week, um, I have to do kind of a little bit of a follow-up. So we had that great, well, emotional, I guess, episode on grief the other week with Kara Armour, and we had a great outpouring from that. So thank you very much for all of that. And um, I know that it was kind of a tricky topic for a lot of people and maybe not the happiest of things, but I think it really hit a nerve that's really important. So I hope that we can continue the positive aspects and uh, just get better at grief. But speaking of, I know a lot of you who know me, uh, maybe follow me on Facebook or have seen some of my other posts just after after that episode was aired, I unexpectedly lost my boy trip. So I just want to thank everybody for their outpouring. It just seemed like, I don't know, some horrible form of irony to do that episode and then go through it all over again. So thank you for all the support and for everyone who reached out. And some people have reached out, um, actually even an offer to help with some of the medical bills, as we all know, that can pile up. So thank you for that. I have included my Venmo in, even though it feels really awkward to do that, but thank you. And I have included my Venmo in the show notes. So um, thank you for those people who have asked and who have reached out. And I'm doing okay, I guess, as um, we all know. Uh, again, if you listen to that episode, you know I go to laughter and dark humor when I'm uncomfortable. So we are looking for those bright spots right now. So again, thanks to everybody in the community. You guys are awesome. And I just really appreciate you. So it's, you know, if nothing else, it's a really good opportunity to thank everybody for your listening, for your support, for telling other people about this podcast, for subscribing, for doing all the things. So and uh, be sure to always visit the show notes because there's um, lots of places to do all the things and to share it. So Anywho, thank you very much. That's what I wanted to say. All right, let's get into it. This week, we're talking about our triggers and how we can use them to our benefit. So the first thing I want to say about triggers is, you know, just kind of like trauma. I think that there are some big T traumas and some small T traumas. And I think when we talk about triggers, I think in the in terms of mindset and focusing in on that, right, that aspect, because that's what we do here. Um, I think that, you know, we're really talking mostly about small T triggers. Thank you. Luckily, I should say. And so when we think about that, a small T trigger can be anything from, you know, your inagility and you hate when it's the ending is dog walk, you know, tire on the way home or dog walk jump the final two, or maybe you hate it when it's tire dog walk at the beginning. And that can be a trigger, or maybe it's you hate it when there's a certain 
entrance to a contact or, you know, a certain entrance to an A-frame. And the reason it becomes a trigger is because you, your body, honestly, your, your cells, everything about you remembers a time previously when that didn't go very well, when that combination, that sequence, that setup, you know, even in obedience or rally or any of your other venues, when you see a setup, a situation it can remind you of a time where things didn't go well, right? So what happens is, is we see that sequence again and we think, oh my dog, what is going to happen here? And we automatically, our nervous system almost reacts before our brain can even process it because our nervous system, our, our frontal cortex really processes it and is like, oh no, this looks familiar and then ties it to uh, a negative experience. And again, that negative experience can be anything from I made a handler error to, oh my God, my dog fell off the dog walk and it was something, you know, extraordinary or something really dramatic. So a trigger can really get us, you know, it because it is, it happens so quickly and it happens so quickly in our brains that sometimes subconsciously or unconsciously, we see the situation and we are starting to react emotionally to it before our rational brain kicks in and even understands why all of a sudden we got really nervous or started feeling that, that pit in our stomach or just started Maybe you've got a headache or just you had some sort of reaction and you're like, what is this about? And come to realize that you are with, you know, kind of more focus on it or, you know, more investigation or more curiosity, you realize that like, oh, this looks a lot like that time when this other thing happened. So our our triggers can be really weird things. And I think in in kind of today's world and how we use the word trigger, you know, we mean it more emotionally or pe- people talk about it more in terms of maybe a therapy experience or maybe something really emotional or charged that happened, you know, in your world or you know, I don't know, maybe you don't like to park in the dark at, you know, hotels because something awful happened to you. Like that's how people really talk about triggers. And that's why I add sort of like the small T trigger, because of course it's not maybe that dramatic, but what happens to us is when we see the situation, you know, or see the sequence or see the experience sort of come up again we, it acts the same in our body, right? We see it as like an, oh my God, or oh no, or the last time this happened, or, you know, it's, remember all those times where you say like, oh, my dog hates this, or my dog doesn't like it here, or my dog, you know, doesn't like it when it's jumped, you know, dog walk, or we never get the contact when the dog walk is the second to the last obstacle, or, you know, my dog doesn't like to do, you know, last time we did figure eights here, you know, this happened. Those are actually kind of triggers in the making, right? Or they're already triggers because what you're doing is you're tying a kind of a setup, right? Like it's a scene. Think of it as like a scene in the movie where like these pieces and parts are all in these certain places and you're kind of, your brain says, oh, I've seen this before and I know exactly how this movie ends. So because you don't want to repeat that same ending because it was negative, you then kind of go into fear mode and you're like, oh no, this is bad. This is bad. My dog's going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I never can do a rear cross out of a tunnel or, um, 
or what have you, right? Or I always mess up this kind of exercise in rally when it's at the far end of the ring or in this building or what have you. And so the reason I put those things in the trigger category is because of how our body responds, how we respond emotionally first and rationally second, third, 10th, or never, (laughs) you know, sometimes our rational doesn't enter into the picture at all. And we just wonder why we're in this emotional turmoil, or we are not only expecting the worst, but we are compiling evidence that the worst will happen, right? That this mistake is going to repeat itself because the circumstances, the scene that we've set is the same as it was that last time when we had that negative experience. And so when we think about those moments, they become triggering because our emotions get involved, our emotions respond before our brains can, and all of a sudden we are back in that moment and potentially even being afraid to repeat the moment, being afraid to walk back into the ring for fear that it will all repeat. So we can even take it a step further and we can become afraid of being afraid, right? Or being fearful that the fear is going to come up or being fearful of the anxiety or fearful of making the mistake again because our brain is compiling that evidence that says, well, when this was set up before, you made that mistake. Or statistically speaking, you know, we don't do, we don't hit our contacts when the dog walks at the end of the course, right? Or we don't do well when the obedience ring is set up where two sides of it are crating and our dog is really distracted by that. Or, or we as handlers are really distracted by that. And so when we see those situations again pop up, we do respond emotionally and then our emotions start to get in charge and we know that we don't make the best decisions when our emotions are leading, all right, we make better decisions when we can hear ourselves think. And if you've heard me talk about how fear works, you know, fear really gets into our bodies when we, you know, see a situation, we send that signal back to the midbrain or the emotional brain and say, hey, should I be worried about it? Your midbrain says, oh, yeah. And then it sends a signal back to the amygdala and like it starts redistributing blood flow and it, you know, that's why you start to get nervous. And that's why like you, your stomach feels all fluttery because there isn't the same blood flow going to your digestive system as, or your brain for that matter, as is going to those big muscle groups. So physiologically, things start to happen as well. And of course, I'm shortcutting that conversation because I've talked a lot about it on our on this podcast before. So you guys know, you know how that works. And so that happens um, all in an instant or whatever is less than an instant. What is a nanosecond less than an instant? Whatever is less than an instant. It happens so fast that sometimes we don't even realize it. It's just in that moment that we see a scenario that we feel like we've seen before and it didn't go well. All right. And what's interesting is, of course, you know, God forbid we see a scenario that did go well before and have a happy response. We don't seem to do that that often, do we? You know, as humans, again, we are wired to look for the negative because we feel like if we know where all the, you know, all the traps are, all the bears are hiding, that we can keep ourselves safe, right? That's an anthropological response. So unfortunately, we don't do 
the same thing when we see positive things. Like, you know, if you see like, you know, oh, tunnel dog walk, that's amazing to me. We don't be like, oh, we've got this. We don't seem to think that way. Unfortunately, wish that were true. You know, we tend to go toward the negative again. And we've been through that a little bit on this uh, podcast as well. So what do we do when we see those triggers? How do we actually start to get ahead of them and make them work for us? Because we actually can make our triggers work for us instead of against us. So I'll get to that in a second. Quick question. Do you ever wish you had more mindset help? Well, the Q membership was created just for that reason. Every month we pick a topic and then we have four lessons, which are kind of like these podcasts that we dive deeper into. And so if you are ready for more, you're ready for more mindset work, think about joining the Q membership. Annual members get a free coaching session, but you can also choose the monthly option as well. Go to theqcoach.com to learn more. Let's get back to the episode. All right. So when I'm coaching my like clients and we are talking through a trigger, one of the things I like to do is reframe a trigger as a handling cue or a handling reminder. And I like to use the word handling cues because we're used to that language in our, you know, in, in executing with our dogs, right? Whether you are cueing an about turn, right? And you look down at your dog, you you pick up your dog and you make that about turn. Whether you are cueing your dog coming out of a tunnel, making that eye contact again, coming out of the tunnel. You know, we're used to giving cues, handling cues to our dogs, right? And sometimes to ourselves as a reminder of like how to handle a certain sequence you know, again, whatever ring you're playing in. And so I like to reframe triggers with my clients as cues. So what if every time you saw the certain sequence of let's just use that infamous, like, you know, dog walk is the second to last, you know, obstacle and it's dog walk jump or something to end the course. And instead of you going to that dark place, right, of doom and gloom and oh oh no and all of this, what if you saw that as a handling cue? What if every time you saw that setup, that sequence of, you know, maybe it's tunnel, dog walk, jump, and those are the last three obstacles, which is a super common setup. And instead of going, oh my, oh my dog, oh no, this is going to be dreadful. I'll never get there. I'll never get to the end of the dog walk. He's going to fly his dog walk. He knows it's at the end of the course. He'll see the timers. Oh no, oh no, oh no, right? I've been there. I know what you're thinking, right? So what if instead you see that as a handling cue and you're like, oh, here's this scenario. I know what I'm going to do to handle this better or to put myself in a position where I can do the things that I need to do as a handler, be in the places I need to be to manage the dog walk or make sure I get that last jump, all right? What are the things that I need to do? So instead of it becoming this like automatic doomsday scenario, it instead becomes the set of reminders of what you need to do to handle that better, okay? So, which is interesting, right? Because you're taking, it's the same setup. It's the same scenario that was giving you the heebie-jeebies a minute ago is now being like, oh, reminder, when I'm walking the course, I have to think about 
you know, maybe being in a certain place, if you have a a kind of a position-based dog walk, right? And maybe I need to be in a certain place. Or, you know, maybe if this is an obedient situation and you do have crating on two sides of the ring or something like that, you think about, okay, I need to make sure that I've really got great attention going into that corner and going into that about turn so that I don't lose my dog in that moment. Okay, so that's taking the same scenario, it's the same setup, but you're using it as a handling cue and as a reminder that you need to handle maybe a little differently, maybe a little more, you know, handle a little more than you're used to, maybe overhandle the situation um, than you would normally do because you need to make sure that you are prepared for the distraction or you are prepared for that sequence of tunnel, dog walk, jump. Okay, so reframing and using our triggers as reminders and as um, really just those, those, mental, those mental nuggets to say, no, no, don't be afraid, just pay more attention, right? Don't be afraid, use the skill that you've been practicing at home because you know that this is a setup that you've had trouble with, so therefore you're working, which again is a great segue. Like, are you working some of your triggers, right? Some of these scenarios that you know catch you off guard. Are you setting those up at home or in class or asking your instructors to set those up for you so that you can practice them so that you do know that the next time you see that setup, you know how to handle it and you know what to do and you know what you're um, handling sequence your skills are going to be in that moment given that setup that situation right so sometimes you can think ahead right you think oh I'm going to a trial in a couple weeks it's in the building where say it's again obedience or rally where they've got crating on two sides my dog's really distracted in that area hey trainer hey friend hey whoever like how can we set up something like that that improves some distractions leading up to that? So now you're taking what could be a trigger, right? That could freak you out or make you nervous or put you over the edge and then you make your dog nervous because it all travels down the leash and all of that. And you're taking that and instead you're informing your training, doing what I call deliberate training. So now you're training deliberately. You're thinking like, you're thinking ahead to like, an experience or a situation or a a location. And you're like, you know what? This could come up. That judge could have us healing or doing our about turn right into that crowd or right into that crating area. So I need to really prove for that. Now you've taken what could be a trigger and you're turning it into a handling cue, but you're also saying that like, ooh, Actually, in order for me to cue that correctly in the ring, I actually need to brush up on it or hone that skill or proof that skill a little more. So I'm going to train for it this week. I'm going to try to set up some of those scenarios so that I feel more confident and more prepared when I go into the ring and I know that that could happen. Same with agility, right? If you think that, you know, running home to that, you know, tunnel dog walk, last jump scenario, you know, you get behind, causes you grief, your dog blows the contact, you know, because it's yeehaw home, um, whatever that is, set that up. And then set that up and ask your instructor and try to create some, you know, some of that same adrenaline around it, that same, you know, yeehawness, right, that sometimes happens around it. How can you recreate that at home? How can you practice that? So when we're thinking about 
you know, what are our triggers or what are the things that get us into trouble or just, you know, um, kind of really perplex us, you know, it can be, you know, when I, there's, there's definitely some certain um, openings on courses that I think, gosh, I wish I was better at handling this, right? I wish... I, I, w- I wish I had a better plan for this. Well, take that, take a picture of that course, take it home, send it to your instructor, set it up in the backyard, you know, think about how you can really figure out that and really master it. So not just get by, but like really get good at that, right? There's that saying that, um, and I posted this a little while ago on my socials that, you know, um, great handlers, you know, practice until they don't make a mistake, you know, but elite handlers practice until they can't get it wrong, right? And to me, that's what mastery is, is that you've really mastered something that when you see that sequence, you're like, oh, I know exactly what to do. I know exactly how I'm handling this. Or that's just a little bit of a variation on what I've already been practicing and already handling. I got this. So now you're taking this scenario that used to trigger you, that used to send you into maybe performance anxiety, used to make you nervous, and then you make your dog nervous, and then it all got kind of goes down the leash and downhill. Now you're treating it as just a reminder of like, oh no, I remember. I know that when I see this setup, I know exactly how I'm going to handle this. I know what to do. I have been working the skills at home. I trust the skills. I trust my dog. I trust the work that I've been putting in. And now I can be more confident, right? So this week, I guess, and this weekend, as you're headed into a trial, one of your pieces of homework would be even if you have a perfect weekend, and I hope you do, right? I hope you have a, the most perfect weekend you've ever had. I want you to be, just be aware of what are the things that set you off, right? And maybe one of the things that set you off is, you know, when you think you're in and five at the gate and they stick someone else in front of you, or maybe someone else doesn't show up and you have to go in, you have to rush, right? Maybe that's a trigger for you. You know, maybe being, you know, the first dog after the walk is a trigger for you in agility, right? Because you don't feel like you have enough time to get your dog. Or maybe it is like a sequence in the ring or, you know, in obedience or rally, having certain things happen in certain corners or, you know, being the first sign in rally or the last sign or what have you. Think about and observe. Don't judge yourself. Don't do anything about it. Just observe. Just develop some awareness about what are the things that set you off, that you feel like are triggering, that feel like you get into a different state mentally and maybe your handling changes as a result. And just make a note of that. Grab your planner, you know, go to that week, you know, go to that weekend in the little scribble section and just write down a couple things or one thing that really trigger you. And it could be, you know, when the hotel doesn't have hot water in the morning and you have to stop somewhere for tea, you know, it could be anything. Be very open and curious to the things that kind of set you off and kind of ruin your day. Because what you're going to do is you're going to start to look at those things and be like, okay, how can I be, instead of reactive and feeling vulnerable in those moments and feeling like I don't know what to do in those moments, or I can't recover from those moments, or I'm afraid that that might happen because I'm afraid of being fearful or having anxiety or being nervous and then, then handling from a place of nervousness. How can I turn that around and either practice that or make a plan for it, or put myself back in control of the situation? Like, how can I prepare? How can I prepare better 
be stronger mentally um, and and build my confidence around this setup, right? Whatever the scene is, whatever the setup is, whatever this moment is that gets to you, that throws you for a loop, what can you do to not make sure it never happens again? Because I don't think that's realistic. So if you're going for that, that's a nice to have, but I want to set your expectations now. You're probably always going to be a little triggered by the by some things, right? But how can you at least develop a plan or develop a plan to practice or proof or work on things or mitigate things? So the first step is always with awareness, right? What is it that sets you off? And um, I want you to be curious because I want you to open yourself up to the possibility of being surprised. Um, I've told the story before of how I was like triggered by someone who parked weirdly next to me and I couldn't let it go for half a day. Now, is that bizarre? Of course it is bizarre. Of course it is weird, but it bugged me and I couldn't let it go for half a day until I figured out where it was coming from and why it was happening and why it was just, why it was bugging me. And as soon as I realized why, I let it go instantly, instantly. When I realized where it was coming from and why it was bugging me so much, I was able to let it go. But the first step is awareness and the be open to the curiosity that it it could be something as weird as a bad parking job, (laughs) right? I mean, it doesn't have to always be logical. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be triggered by the same things that your friend group is triggered by, right? And, you know, that's a lot of times why I love, I mean, I love walking the course, especially in agility, but also in rally sometimes um, with headphones in because I don't want to hear what everybody else is triggered by, right? I got my own problems, right? I got my own areas of focus. I don't want to hear the chatter. I don't want to hear everybody else, you know, be concerned about a corner of this or this kind of sequence or these two things or whatever. I don't want to hear it. I, you know, I want to tune that out literally, and pun intended. And um, so just think about those things and think about, um, you know, being curious about what it might be and, and being curious about what it might be to you versus you adopting or inheriting those triggers from your friend group, for instance, or from other handlers that you listen to as you're walking around or, you know, observing the course or watching people, et cetera. Okay. So step one always is just awareness. Just build your awareness around this. Start to figure out like what your small T triggers are and, um, and then start to, and write them down. Just make a couple notes about them and think about how you can put yourself in control instead of feel like you always have to be in a reactive mode, right? How do you respond instead of react? How do you make a plan instead of feel vulnerable for those moments? Okay, so start with that. Get curious. Tell me what they are, especially if it's something that surprises you, uh, because I think we're pro- you're probably not alone. There's we all have kind of weird things like bad parking jobs or whatever. And um, I would love to know. So drop me a line. You can get to me. Go to the show notes. All the links and all the good stuff is there. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic week with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. 
I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.